Hey guys, welcome to The Money and Investing Show with me, your host, Andrew Baxter. This week, very topical, we're looking at the closure of Holden in Australia. Very, very hot potato to talk about. Affected so many Australians on so many levels. We'll talk a little bit about what went wrong within the business and perhaps what's going wrong to cause this demise, uh, both within manufacturing and retail within that country. But we'll also look at some other bits and pieces that we can take out of this as individuals, as Aussies, as people that support and buy local that will prevent this kind of problem happening. Hope you enjoy the show. We'll see you later. Hey guys, welcome to the Money and Investing Show with me, your host, Andrew Baxter, and of course, my offsider, Mr. Mitchell Laurential. That is me, Mr. Baxter, how are you? Very well, sir. Now, what do we have today? We've got some really sad news, um, and it's only just come out fresh, uh, you know, up the horse's mouth this morning in the news, and that is the almighty exit of the Australian car brand, Holden. Wow, yes, that's a big one, right? I know, I mean, you know, their parent company, General Motors, a stock we've traded plenty of times, actually owns Holden, decided they couldn't compete, and has decided to cull operations here in Australia. Mm, it's about as Australian as it comes, was it, was it football, meat pies, kangaroos, and Holden cars, I think was the uh, marketing <laughs> some time back. Um, not altogether surprising, to be perfectly honest with you, and I mean, this one uh, is actually quite a personal thing for me too, because my father worked in the car industry in the UK for almost 40 years, and we saw the transition there from you know, uh, Rover or British Leyland, as it formerly was, uh, to being merged with Honda, to being taken over by BMW and out the door. So, you know, this is, uh, this is something I can really relate to, uh, particularly for those people uh, that are in those manufacturing jobs. I can smell the, uh, the press oil on my dad's uh, overalls when he used to come home every day <laughs> as I speak to you. Um, and it, and it's, a, it's a big shock uh, for people that perhaps are going to lose their job. Certainly not a good thing for the Australian economy. And it's not just, of course, the manufacturing jobs that are there, but there are over 200 dealerships, I think, around Australia too, which will obviously either be being rebranded, acquired, or, or indeed shutting their doors. So very sad. Absolutely. I mean, when you think about it, Holden established itself in 1948. Mm. That's 164 years thereabouts mm. of operations in Australia. And that's not just producing cars. That's jobs for many Australians. Um, you know, money into the economy, purchasing yep. cars within Australia, and just like that, it's all gone. Yeah, so where does it all gone wrong? And I think it's a sign of the times, you know, we live in a global economy. Um, you know, Holden hasn't been competitive for a long time. Obviously, it was acquired by General Motors, I think actually in the 1930s, they originally acquired the brand. Um, and, and, and I think you, you just looked up their sales figures for January, worst ever sales month ever. Ever. So there was actually more sales in 1948 than there was in January. And what's the Australian population is probably four times the size and ludicrous. And, and, and everyone has a car or two cars now versus back then, which is an incredible statistic. So yeah, maybe it's a business that's lost its relevance. And this is a tough one because for those people that are tuning into this show, um, you know, you're gonna have a view on it. And a lot of people will be sad, oh, it's the end of Holden. Um, and I guess the million dollar question is, if you're sad to see the back of Holden, what sort of car do you drive? Well, I guess if you're not driving a hold, then you're part of the problem. Right? Absolutely. And, uh, and, and, and this comes down to twofold consumer taste, they change over time, and the relevancy of, of brands too. But I want to take a step back first of all and, and put this in the framework, I think, of the overall broader Australian economy because you know, we, we seem to have a tendency right now to want to cut our own lunch. Um, if we compare to what's going on in the US under the President Trump's administration, this Make America Great Again and Buy America First, there's a huge mandate which is putting you know, incredible pressure on companies to either manufacture in the US or for consumers to buy US-based products to avoid tariff. And uh, maybe there's, there's, there's something to take out of that whereby we've been so, um, how can I say, we've supported that industry through government subsidies, something like $2 billion, I think, under the Abbott administration uh, to, to support jobs at Holden, which is a ridiculous amount of money to throw at something that's in the private sector. Um, and yet, at a consumer level, we're not supporting that business. Um, the reason it's out of business, nobody's buying its product. 
Absolutely. I mean, I know you and I ran the figures on what kind of cars Australians mm. were buying, mm. uh, you know, versus what sort of Holden's target cars were, target demographic mm. was. How did those stack up again? Not particularly good. Um, you know, large cars, Holden Commodore, um, you know, is one of the smaller groups of car sales in Australia, SUVs being the biggest one, which Holden really doesn't have a toehold in that market. And when it, when it did start to move in, they really arrived at the party way too late. And then smaller cars too, which are the second biggest selling group. And, you know, it's always interesting when you sort of dig back and, and look through the history of what's gone on. Um, I'll go back um, and look at the marketing strategy back in 2015, only five years ago. Uh, where they were looking to repurpose the brand uh, and make it relevant in today's Australia by going after what they deem to be the modern Australian marketplace. Now, wow. what is the modern Australian marketplace, of course, is a very, very good question. Is it you? Is it me? Is it somebody outside? I don't know. But if you take a look at where society is now, as a, as a very broad brush approach, more and more people are living in apartments, more and more people are living in inner cities and not even owning a car. Um, and if that's the modern Australia that you're targeting, how are you still trying to sell a large family car to those people? I don't understand. It's a real mismatch uh, between um, you know, message and market. Absolutely. And I know that Holden particularly actually had a goal to be, I believe, was it the top car sales company yeah. in Australia by 2020? That's great. Yeah. Jerry Dorezus, I hope I've pronounced his name correctly. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, Jerry Dorezus was the CEO back in 2015-16 and his prediction Holden will be the number one car seller in 2020 and that clearly is a goal that's been uh, yeah, somewhat short. Uh, I'm not going to make that goal. In fact, it, it'll cease to be around. Absolutely. And I mean, it's terrible news and you think about it, 600 employees are also losing their jobs with that. But I guess, you know, taking it back and, and winding it back to what you were saying just then, it's not so much maybe a matter of consumer tastes and preferences, but maybe an issue with their marketing operations, their strategic yeah. sort of positioning. Yeah. Would you agree with that? I think there's a few factors there. One is the relevance of the brand in terms of marketing for sure. Um, number two, um, you know, look at the cost of production. If you, if you take a, uh, an assembly line job at, at Hold'em, the average salary or income is about 80 grand a year plus bonuses and uh, overtime about $100,000 a year, which is a large number wow. for what is a relatively unskilled job. And the, again, I don't say that in a, uh, in a condescending or, or, or uh, uh, you know, talking down to people in that space. And as I say, my father worked in the car industry for almost 40 years and he was a press operator, so he's on a production line. So I understand that space well. But eighty to $100,000 a year in today's economy in that kind of role has got to be absorbed into uh, the price of the product. Now, to give you an idea, if you run the rule over at GM and Ford did some statistics on this, and if they looked at the costs of manufacturing in Australia versus either in Southeast Asia or other parts of the world, each car costs about an extra $3,800 to manufacture here in Australia. Wow. Yeah, the consumer's wanting a better and better deal. Uh, and so you suddenly, you're trying to compete on price, but you've got a more expensive product with a thinner margin that you've got to sell. So, you know, union pressures of pushing prices up, certainly uh, wage costs up have certainly been a factor. And you look at that globally, forget about Southeast Asia uh, or manufacturing in China or India. Let's compare something to the US. So BMW, uh, after the GFC, uh, relocated uh, a lot of their manufacturing, I think it's the X3 and the X5, all their sales in North America now. Um, they used to manufacture in Mexico, trying to target that lower income uh, or, or lower cost base. Uh, they moved their manufacturing facility to, um, to um, Greenville, South Carolina, and the average hourly rate on that production line is about $20 to $25 an hour. 
Now that's obviously considerably lower than what those rates are in Australia, and I guess that reflects you know the high costs of living in Australia. You know, you think about trying to buy a property, which has been you know, pushed on by foreign buying largely. Um, you need to be pulling down a reasonable number to be able to exist. Absolutely, and and, and I think it, it's almost confusing because you think of a BMW, you think a luxury car. Mm. You would almost assume that that would require quite a you know a high level of craftsmanship mm. and skill to be able to put one of those together. They're being paid less mm -hmm. than, say, for example, someone on a Holden manufacturing line. Yeah. Why? I mean, is that because BMW are underpaying their workers? Is it because Holden are overpaying their workers? Mm -hmm. How does that balance out? That's an interesting one. And I, I remember just before my father retired, um, walking around the plant. Now, I remember when I was a kid, I'd go in there with him when it was British Leyland and Rover and it was arcade and there's an oily floor <laughs> and, and yeah, really old machinery in the, uh, in, in the pressing plants. And going through that, just as he went into retirement, BMW had owned that plant for quite some time, and the amount of money that had gone into R and D and into technology in particular, no oil on the floor. It was spotless. The floor was white, and people went from wearing you know blue or grey overalls in that factory to white overalls because there was no reason to be covered in oil or grease or whatever it might be out of that. And I remember this like it was yesterday. It's incredible to see that shift. So you know those, uh, particularly the larger European manufacturers, have been very focused, and, and and the same is true, of course, with the Japanese with Toyota, which is the biggest selling brand here in Australia. You know, a couple of hundred thousand dollars, uh, I beg your pardon, a couple of hundred thousand cars a year in sales versus you know a tenth of that for Holden. You know, that's where the relevance really starts to uh, to, to to kick in. So you know, there's huge investment there, which requires less skilled labour uh, because the machinery is effectively taking care of it, and 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 the European companies in particular have been at the vanguard of that. But also, you know, this notion of buying Australian or buying America, if we use the President Trump mandate, if we, if we take that for a moment as a country, we kind of are cutting around lunch because, you know, it seems that most people are quite cost conscious and understandably so in the current economy, but there are long-term ramifications of that. So hopping down to Kmart and buying your Anko stuff that's coming from China doesn't create jobs in this country. The money goes straight out. But if you want to buy an Australian product, it's typically more expensive because our manufacturing costs are there but usually the quality is much higher. So what is it that people actually want? And that's the role of the marketers to find out what people want. And if you want a high quality product, then you've got to market to that to say, yes, we're more expensive, but the product is significantly better. When you're more expensive and your product isn't better, that's a real problem. And I suspect that's where Holden has found itself and that's why it's in the predicament that it's in right now. So do you think that Holden was almost trying to come across as almost a luxury brand that you know had that product differentiation mm -hmm. But necessarily wasn't. Mm. I think that's a, a really good point. And, 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 and if we look at the car industry per se, um, you know, Australia is a country that's very expensive to buy vehicles in because of our luxury car tax. So 33% tax on anything over about 75 or 78 grand or thereabouts. I'm sure someone will know the exact number, but it's ballpark in that figure. Sure. And that was brought in back in 2000 to try and protect our car industry. And one can only hope that now we don't have a car industry, that tax will be gone. I very much doubt it. Remember, um, Kerry Packer's very famous. Uh, interview about tax uh, before the Senate and his notion was you know when when something else comes along you should repeal the old law um, <laughs> never really happened did it perhaps it should have done but in this instance maybe we'll see the back of luxury car tax I very much doubt that because the government obviously needs that money into its coffers but the, the purpose of that uh, to protect the car industry is irrelevant now because there is no car industry 
So, you know, that might be something that needs to be considered, won't happen, I'm sure. But speaking of the government, and that's something that's interesting, and this isn't a government bashing session, that's way too easy to do, and it's not going to stretch anyone's hamstrings to do, but if, if we take the response from Canberra, which has been utter outrage, the $2 billion in subsidy went into that. First of all, the outrage should be, why was a subsidy given in the first place? It's taxpayers' money. We live in a free market, and whereby it's survival of the fittest, and if your product is not good enough to sell en masse, and your business is slowing down and eventually is going to be gone anyway, why is it being kept alive? You know, if you take an example, and it's an awful analogy to use, I've just had to euthanize um, one of our pets, so it's, it rings true with me right now, but you know, the old dog, the back legs aren't working, it's blind in one eye, it's hearing is gone, it's having respiratory problems. Do you force it to stay alive, or do you realize it's the end of the road, and you call the vet to take care of business? And perhaps that's where Holden has found itself right now, where as a business, its relevance has ceased, and it's a product that people most clearly aren't buying and pumping two billion dollars of taxpayer money into that is unconscionable to try and keep it alive and do you know why it's unconscionable if you go back to december 2019 just in a handful of months ago the government decided to upgrade all of the com cars the government cars that are being used holden previously was the supplier of that using holden caprice and that contract has gone to both toyota and bmw so on one hand, you've got the government saying, here's a subsidy to stay alive, but when it comes to us spending our money, we won't support your product. So, you know, it's ridiculous for Canberra right now to be going, it's outrageous that it's going because like everybody else that hasn't bought a Holden, they're part of the problem too. They should have been buying Australia first and doing everything they can to support our economy, as opposed to giving away $2 billion in subsidies that went straight to the parent company in the US and probably straight on the bottom line. That would be my view on that. Wow, talk about cutting your own lunch. Maybe we can learn a thing or two from President Donald Trump. Absolutely, maybe some tanning tips as well, who knows. But, uh, <laughs> and that's the reality where we see ourselves, and, 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 and it's, we're making a mockery of ourselves. On one arm, you know, we're running around with a black armband that it's the end of a great Aussie brand, and we've done absolutely nothing to support it, either at a government level or, again, at consumer level and that's what happens in the free world you can't survive manufacturing cars for a niche like Australia and then 20 odd million people live you've got to have a far broader appeal and I think that's really where part of Holden's demise has been and not just that the fact that they couldn't really get their marketing message right to the current market it's very very hard and my heart goes out to all those families that are affected by this whereby you know your job security or your job is effectively gone and, and then you wonder where in the economy do you then go because you've got a clear set of skill sets whether it's in manufacturing or assembly line work or engineering or whatever it may be but what's the replacement job where is that because those manufacturing jobs simply aren't here and maybe you're going to go and drive for uber but that's not going to be a one-for-one -one comparison in terms of what you're going to earn and how you're going to be able to provide your family and it's a tragedy but it's a tragedy that's self-fulfilled by a company that's lost its relevance compounded by uh, uh, i guess a an economic policy which tends not to favor looking after our own backyard first and that's unconscionable in my mind and i guess the people that are tuning into this broadcast will either agree with that or they won't and it's not the first time we've seen this kind of thing you know we've got other industries that are struggling in their country too the dairy industry for example particularly up here in queensland and yet the queensland state government choose to tender out a milk contract to a french company rather than buy dairy products from our australian farmers that are struggling and it's you know, on one hand we want to we say oh, we want to help people yet we cut our own lunch and take the cheap option every time and it's foolish and it's in its poor economic management absolutely i mean there's two sides to every coin i think you know in the case of holden poor business operations poor marketing you know at times of course and then on the other hand, consumers, I mean, what are we thinking? We need to support our own. And that's not just to cars, that's to milk, as you said, and various other products. Right. But look, I guess we are coming to the end of the broadcast now. So 
AB, I just want to get your gauge. Where do you think the manufacturing business and car manufacturing industry specifically is going? You know, what are we looking to see in the future? Yeah, I don't think you'll see it again in, in our country. It's one of those things, once you turn something off, it's very, very hard to resuscitate it. And again, if I go back to the UK uh, as an example of this, countries go through cycles. If we think about the Industrial Revolution, it comes along and then that's where your raw materials or manufacturing steel starts. Then you go into a manufacturing stage and then other countries that are perhaps lagging behind, uh, maybe India or China, start to move into that space. Certainly if you look at the 70s and 80s, it was, it was Japan uh, in particular that was coming into that space and replace manufacturing, your economy moves into a service phase uh, and it's constantly evolving and moving forwards. But without a manufacturing base, it leaves a country and an economy extremely vulnerable. It's good to have a very broad-based economy that's got agriculture, that's got manufacturing, that's got service industries and everything else in between. And when you start to move further away from the, the, the raw materials of what makes a country great, it creates structural unemployment for one and all of those people in places like Elizabeth um, if with a Ford factory in Geelong, um, being able to find comparable work there is going to be very, very difficult. In the case of the UK, um, you know, I look at, again, you know, Honda, for example, in the town I grew up in, in Swindon, opened a plant there. Uh, that plant's just being shut down now as well. And once those plants are closed, they very, very seldom reopen. So it's gone and it's gone forever. Um, what's needed um, to prevent that happening is, is a, 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 I'm not going to suggest an indoctrination of a population, that sounds a little bit sort of, sounds a little bit out there, um, but certainly a greater awareness of people with their buying decisions and having a genuine buy Australia philosophy, and it's not about having a silly label on a box going it's Australian, you should buy it, but really driving that into our DNA so we can look after our own first and foremost, because you know, that two billion that went in subsidy, if that went into education uh, and, and a focus on helping people understand the ramifications of not buying Australian, we'd have a thriving sector right now where people buy Aussie first. And yeah, you know, I just got back from Italy a couple of months ago and, and, and something, I mean, Italy is an interesting country. It's actually the seventh largest economy in the world. Not many people realize that. And everything is about buy Italian first. You know, you're sitting there and you, you, you get a bottle opener or opener for a wine bottle, for example, everything is made in Italy because that's the DNA is we support ourselves first. And that's really the sort of mindset that we need to have if we want to have a relevancy and if we want to have a broad employment base. And, and for those people that have been spewed out the door with poor management by the company itself and by, you know, federal, uh, on, a, on a federal level from a government perspective, it's very, very sad. Absolutely. Uh, and I think, you know, there's many good messages in there specifically for, you know, the Australian consumer and maybe Holden is a cautionary tale and maybe it's a wake up call to say, hey, guys, we need to start buying our own and supporting our locals because that's that's what we are. We're patriotic people. We're patriotic uh, country. We need to look after ourselves. First. Well, we, we say we are. We say we're patriotic, but, you know, talk is cheap, Mitch, and money buys the whiskey. You know, and that's a very good quote from one of my good <laughs> friends and clients, Mr. Anton Visser, if he's tuning into this. It's so, so true. It's easy to talk about this stuff, but are you prepared to pay a couple of extra bucks when you go buy something rather than buy something that's in from China and get something local? And this is what's gutted our retail sector. It's gutting our manufacturing. And ultimately, this will be the thing that puts the Aussie economy in the best spot. A million dollar question. AB, pleasure to get your insight here. I had a really good discussion and uh, I think our viewers really enjoyed that one. Pleasure. Always a pleasure, Mitch. Thanks for chatting. Cheers. Well, guys, hope you enjoyed the show. Uh, make sure you leave us a review and some feedback and a rating. It's always good to get that to know that we're on point, and we'll look forward to chatting with you again.